Um, I'm with uh, AK Teddy Bear Media today. It's going to be a great day. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I'll tell us a little bit about myself. Hey, sure. Hi, my name is Dan. Uh, I am the founder of AK Teddy Bear Media. Uh, right now, we're focused on primarily live broadcasts with Twitch. Uh, however, uh, we are getting into other fields, such as podcasts, as you see here. Uh, Corey and I go way back, and uh, we've often discussed different topics, different themes to uh, help bolster each other's success in the past, so we decided why not collaborate and start making something awesome. So hope you enjoyed today's episode, and uh, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. Hopefully we see each other next week as well, but I'm going to kick it back to Corey. So a little bit of background um, about myself is I have a master's degree in social psychology, business psychology. Um, a lot of it's emphasizing persuasion and uh, persuasion, social influence, um, branding, stuff like that. And sorry about the, the two-tone light here for today. I'm going to get a light and put it right here next time. My bad. Um, but besides that, uh, I had went into businesses before and helped them out. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started up a couple businesses and learned from them um, myself. And then um, I know t I know uh, Dan over here. He uh, he's been a supervisor. He's been a trainer. Tell a little bit a little bit about your your background. Uh, so a lot of my background comes from uh, retail. Uh, that's primarily what I've worked in. Although I have worked in other fields such as radio broadcast before, uh, as well as uh, a couple other things. But retail is my biggest background. Um, I've been a market trainer for Samsung Telecommunications. Uh, I was in charge of a large market of training, developing uh, individuals, as well as uh, making sure that sales numbers and uh, a few other things are uh, highly focused and you know directed. Right now, I am in a supervisor role for a different retail company. Uh, I work for Best Buy. I'm one of the sales supervisors at my current store. However, I'm also working closely with the market training staff, uh, as well as some of the other market teams on different market initiatives. Because uh, my passion is training. Uh, that's where uh, I feel uh, any company, if they really want to be um, highly successful and highly motivated with their uh, employees, it's got to start with the training and how they develop their team. Uh, so that's where my main focus is right now. Uh, and hopefully I can continue to uh, bolster that in the future. Awesome. Uh, today, though, is uh, one of your favorite topics. It's going to dive a little bit into uh, a little bit into training. Um, and how it, uh, it, it, how you can use these really convoluted psychological things that business owners usually don't have the time for, um, and how you can actually use them, because they're they're completely useless if you can't use them. So today we're going to be talking about the theory of planned behavior. I know that was just geekinese for what the heck did you just say? It's just a simple model to help you define who your cultural ringleader is so that you can mold and shape the direction that your employees take. What it really boils down to is intention. Uh, three different characteristics that really help lead to intention. So you got yourself your perceived, oh my goodness, your perceived cultural norms, you got yourself your um, perceived behavioral control as well as your attitudes towards the behavior itself. So 
all these really intertwine, and as long as the user has a perceived control of the situation, then their intention has a high prediction rate, a high prediction rate. So, um, I mean, have, where have you seen, I mean, you have a, a little bit of the retail experience there, Dan. Where have you seen uh, intention or the perceived control come into play with you guys? Sure. So in a lot of retail spaces, obviously, there are metrics and there are goals that, um, you know, companies want us to achieve uh, in one way or another. Uh, and those tasks or those goals are handed down to uh, managers or different staff members uh, in any company. And, and you know, the, the goal is presented. Uh, but the cool thing is, is typically when they're presented, they're not necessarily just presented as a number uh, in companies where uh, this type of behavior is already recognized and kind of implemented. They they do it as a goal and as a direction where everybody can move in a single direction. And that's the idea behind it is the intent is maybe the outcome that a company is looking for is to move from 90% productivity to 110%. Let's just say that just as an arbitrary number. Instead of just saying, all right, we want everyone to get to 120%, hoping that the offset of those that get there and the, you know, the delta of those that can't will get you to that 110% number. They present a goal of we want you to be better than what you were before. We want you to be the best version of your store, of your department, of whatever. Um, and the ultimate goal is to get to 110. Knowing that the majority of stores are still get to 110, but it gives them an ownership of you're the ones that have to get there. It's not just, you know, playing the statistics number at that point. Um, and I think if you look historically at a lot of the uh, performing roles, performing managers, people that are already performing at that high a level, that's the kind of attitude they have regardless is they're pushing their entire team in a single direction. Yes. It's that cultural impact, that cultural push by someone of like, the ringleader is highly important. So I know um, I've went into several different retail stores where they had uh, a misconception of who was pushing the uh, cultural envelope. Um, I can't say if Best Buy is one of them, but I know several retail stores that I went into. Um, they, the individual stores themselves sometimes feel bashful about asking for help so they hire someone else outside because uh, they don't want because the general managers they they want they like their job understandable um but sometimes they need a little bit of like an outside eyes to help them refresh that's what i usually did for them and i went into um this one retail store they sold uh, uh they sold like um doors they sold like French doors and stuff like that to individuals and um, at a big warehouse. Let's just say that. And while they were in this selling situation, uh, one of their assistant managers had quit and then another person stepped up and they were assistant manager before, don't get me wrong, but the other person stepped up. And then a little bit of time went along and they had... Um, they had grown into that role. But what they didn't realize was that they were uh, driving the culture as the new head honcho, per se, because the, um, the individual employees weren't looking to their supervisors anymore. They were looking to a 
uh, assistant. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Instead of looking at their supervisor, they were looking at their assistant manager. And the assistant manager then thought, the supervisor's the one that leads the culture. So this assistant manager was passing the buck, not knowingly, passing the buck down to a supervisor. And the supervisor didn't actually have the perceived control from the employees. Um, and then once I finally brought this up to them, showed them the data, interpreted the data, because if I just show them a bunch of numbers, people don't understand that. Um, and then help them develop that particular training for them to help them realize, hey, this is your role now. This is what you got to do. This is who they look up to. Um, it really helped turn them around. They went from a uh, like a 60%, 70% area to 110% towards their goal. Reason why the one assistant manager was fired was because they couldn't get to their goal. So I helped that one assistant manager get over that hump of what the previous assistant manager couldn't do. Did you um, ever see any of this, Teddy? Absolutely. Uh, I've been in some, you know, obviously working in retail, there are some high impact roles uh, in any company. Uh, and I think the biggest challenge uh, that a lot of companies run into is coaching the behavior versus coaching the performance. Uh, and I think yes. what you were talking about there with the previous assistant manager being let go for, you know, not being able to hit certain metrics or certain goals is something that happens pretty frequently, especially in a lot of these uh, high performance business type roles is because they're not reaching a certain quota. Well, as leaders in a company, as managers, as people in a position to notice, uh, one, uh, the people are above have to be in that position to notice. They have to be around and actually observe the behaviors first and foremost before uh, we can find really the root cause. And so if that's hiring an outside company like what your uh, company did with you, or if that's going out and, you know, setting aside a time or setting time aside, I should say, uh, frequently throughout the week to observe and uh, coach and actually spend time with the employee that's having an issue. That's something that we have to, as leaders, be willing to do first and foremost. And then the second thing is always looking at those behaviors. You know, uh, something that uh, I've been taught over several roles that I've been is the numbers are a direct reflection of whatever behaviors are there, but that doesn't mean that the numbers are the reason we're failing. We have to go deeper. Um, and a lot right. of times, exactly. And that And that's the thing, like, there's so many people that they, they're focused on, oh, I'm as a, even as a, my, my fellow supervisors I've worked with uh, over the years or uh, from other stores, they're like, oh, I'm not hitting this number. So they reach out to somebody who is hitting it and they're like, well, what are you doing? Uh, and, you know, it, as great as it is that they're reaching out, a lot of times they're, the, the feedback they get is, oh, we're just doing this every single time. Well, that's not it. There's a behavior there. There's an attitude there that's probably missing from the other store. Uh, There's that attitude towards that behavior, the behavior itself, and the intention to follow through with that correct. behavior because of all the perceived norms and perceived behavioral control that the autonomy, the ownership of what the employees have and the assistant managers. 
A hundred percent. And then the example that you gave, the supervisors didn't own their departments to the point where the employees felt comfortable coming to them. Uh, right. In my current role um, that I have, like my employees come to me for everything, even stuff that I they know I can't fix. Like they're like, like there's been times where I've told employees for the exact same issue before, like you have to go to this manager because I just don't have the ability to fix this or uh, the you know the the leadership prowess I would need for certain situations. Um, you know I'm not afraid to tell them, hey, I don't know. I always find out if it's something within my scope of work, but. Like they still come to me regardless, no matter what the issue is, I'm their first line of defense. But that's because that's the culture I've bred is that this is my home theater department. And if you're going to step foot in my home theater, you have to understand that. Uh, or this is my store that I'm running. You know, people know when they come into my store that that's got my name in front of whatever I have a hand in. Um, and that's another great piece of advice I got years ago from a leader from a company that's no longer around, uh, Radio Shack, which... Uh, taught me a lot. It was my first like full general manager role. It's the first place I was in charge of a large, uh, you know, inventory payroll, things like that. Uh, but the, the leader told me something that I'll never forget. Um, he sat me down, uh, before I took over my first store and, uh, asked me, went through a whole interview process, pretty standard, you know, why do you want to do this? You know, what brings you in? I was 19, of course. I was like, I'm, you know, I need more money, things like that. Uh, but he, uh, you know, student loans, they're, they're crazy. But uh, he sat me down and he was like, look, uh, I've got, I, I like you. I think you've got great potential, but here's a piece of advice. And this is uh, my greatest, you know, piece of wisdom that I was taught. And I think you could learn from is that this is Dan's Radio Shack moving forward. He's like, no, I know it's not. You don't own this store. You don't pay the rent and everything like that. He's like, obviously, corporate owns the building. Uh, they own the inventory. But you own the performance. You own the team. And you own what story is going to be told uh, while you're here and after you're gone. And I think that type of influence and that type of uh, building of culture is what's going to change the face of a lot of stores, a lot of uh, retail spaces, or even like business groups in general like you you go into an office and you can tell who the manager is basically how people react around them things like that um but you can also tell when the culture is that the each employee owns what they're responsible for it's very easy to see right away yes 300 percent 300 percent like i i i i i can also like just the way that that's etched into your mind, the way he said that, I don't think he truly understood the gravity of what yeah. he was telling you. I can promise you uh, he did not. <laughs> because that right there, I mean, that's key. It's key. Because that right there helps get that perceived behavioral control. It, you get so much burnout from... Retail. How come I get I, I I still get emails. How come I get so much burnout from my retail employees? How come I get so much burnout from my salespeople? How come my insurance people aren't going out and finding their things? It's because they don't have a perceived control. They need that autonomy. Yeah. If they don't have that ownership, that autonomy, then sorry. The other thing it's about, gonna, gonna about well. burnout, um, just as a quick kind of side note, like uh, I've heard that before a lot where somebody goes into, oh, I feel like uh, my team is burned out or this is my, my uh, supervisor is burned out or my other employees burned out. 
keep in mind that a lot of times that they feel burned out is because again, the, the culture that you're driving is not always behavior based. Um, and even if it is, there, there's not a reason that's being presented that employee as to why they should be doing what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> so before, when you hear those types of terms being flown around, uh, and this is something we could definitely cover in more detail. Uh, I think this would definitely be something that we could, uh, everyone could benefit from, but you got to take a look at, you know, what the root causes and why they're feeling that way in the first place. Uh, cause a lot of times it's something as simple as a, like, Oh, I don't feel like I'm making an impact. So I feel burned out because I feel like I'm just going through the motions at this point. Well, people in my generation in, uh, the millennial generation, if you will, or even just people who are like, they want to make an impact because that's what they care about. They don't really care about who they're working for, like the company necessarily, but they just want to make a difference. Uh, people in those types of roles are going to have a hard time in the short term seeing the benefits of what they're doing. Um, so you have to give them a reason as to why they need to push through that and see the bigger picture about how they're actually contributing. Uh, and just keep that in the back of your mind because we'll definitely cover that uh, on another week because uh, that's something you can go right. into forever. <laughs> I know, right? That's something you can go on forever. Yes. And that brings us to the reasoned action approach. So... <laughs> Uh, Fishman and Eisen in 1975, I have to cite them because I'm a social psychologist, totally uh, they, <laughs> they, put, they put out the theory of planned behavior. And then in 2011, they revamped it, and they come up with a more solid, actionable approach called the reasoned action approach. And, of course, the health field took it, and they ran with it because they have unlimited amounts of money. Uh, so they usually take these theories and try to throw them at the wall, see if they stick. Uh, it didn't stick for them because they did, weren't they? They were nurses and health professionals trying to run uh, a complex theory, and they didn't quite understand. They were rushing through it a lot of the time. But if you take the time, slow it down, it's great. So a bunch of things he was talking about because it takes the perceived norm and normative beliefs entity you got yourself your normative you got yourself your normative beliefs going on over to your um perceived norms so the belief strength the motivation to comply goes into your injective and uh descriptive norms so if you have yourself some burnout you don't have much motivation to um comply if you don't have much motivation to comply your intention is not going to be there because your, nor your perceived norms are going to go out the window. What that means, unless geek and ease, is if you got your guy in the back room saying, this sucks, then the guy talks to the next guy and he agrees, it sucks, you have a culture brewing right there. 100%. And that's something that, again... If you're not in a position to notice these things, um, it, it's going to be hard to fix. Uh, and you may not be the right person to notice these things. And I think that one of the other things that people have to be aware of is asking for help does not show a, a lack of ability. Right. Uh, and it's and 300%. I, like, like that's, and obviously, like in, in our culture, in our perceived reality, um, you know, 
As as Americans, yes. we love to be independent and we love to know. And, and we feel bad if we don't know. We feel like we failed somehow right. by not knowing. Um, it, it is a, the, the best sign of a leader is somebody who can recognize his shortcomings and do everything in his power to fix them, whether that is asking for help, uh, reaching out to a fellow manager, uh, a boss, like uh, a third party, however you need to do it, that shows that you want right. to be successful. And I know, <laughs> right, and I know tons of business owners that hire those other people. So what they do is that they know they're really good at branding. They know they're really good at speaking, but they're not really good at production. Yep. So they go out and they hire someone to help them with the production, stuff like that. Or they ask to go for a co-host to help with the production, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, That's me. But <laughs> they bring it to the table. They have things to add value. As long as they're constantly adding value to each other, then they're going to be – I mean, why do people work remote? People that work remote – like just in the tech industry, make 20 to 40% less. But the value of being home, of having the ability to turn around and look at you, that's huge. It is. And so have, instead of, go ahead. You have to determine, like, again, the purpose, the why. Uh, Simon Sinek, uh, his entire business culture that he's done, and if you haven't heard of Simon Sinek, highly recommend looking him up. He's done some amazing work uh, in behavioral psychology as well as business practices and uh, giving other companies the ability to assess and kind of like bolster their performance. Um, several videos, a couple TED Talks, regardless. Uh, you'll probably hear me talk about him because I, I absolutely love the message that he's, he speaks on. Uh, and that really comes from... Like you have to find a purpose. You have to find a why. So uh, I enjoy making money, um, obviously, but that's not the reason I do what I do in my industry. Um, I would still do it even if I didn't make as much money just because it's my passion. It's what I love to do. Um, and people who are in it for the resources or for what it, they can build out of it, cool, you have your purpose, but if you can truly find that job that you're like, I would do this for free if it's just something that, you know, I had as a hobby, like that's where you know you've done it. Um, Mark Twain uh, made a comment, make your, voca your vacation your vocation and you'll never work a day in your life. And that, that I know it's a silly statement, but it's something that's huge. Uh, and if you can It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And like people, people make fun of... Um... For like people like Gary Vee and stuff like that, because all they do is work, it seems. Work, 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 work. But their vocation is their vacation. They mm -hmm. get charged by it. So they don't care about putting in endless hours to do it. It's just why you see me up at night on Twitter helping people out, trying to get these people to realize what's going on and just adding value. Absolutely. Cool. Um, when it comes to culture, Corey, and people trying to identify, um, some opportunities, what are some skills that they can use to kind of self-evaluate, um, their own team right now? Self-evaluate their own team. Um, it's going to take some humility. That's the biggest thing because 
if whenever you do something that's self-evaluating or something like that, it's going to suck. It's going to hurt. And the more it hurts, the more you learn. The less you get offended by yourself, the more you'll learn. So you need to take a step back and tell an employee to ask an employee how they're doing. That's it. Get one of the employees that you know won't say, hey, my boss told me to ask you how you're doing today. Get an employee that you know will um, generally care and then get feedback from that employee that just asked. Because if you go up to a random employee as Mr. Head Honcho and you say, how are you doing today, Jim? He's going to be like, uh, I'm doing great, boss. Thanks for asking. And then if you ask Sally Sue, hey, go ask him how he's doing for me. But ask him, like really ask him. Don't say that I sent you because I'm worried about him. And then she'll go over there and be like, hey, how you doing? And he'll be like, well, I just got divorced and my, and my dog died. Like insert country song here. So that's a big thing right there. And if, the more that you can connect and bridge that gap, the better. And eventually, once you start building your personal brand as someone who cares like Teddy has, they'll come to you and you can go directly to them. That's the first step. Now, there's several steps after that, once you get that established, um, that I can go on for hours. I think to build on that also, as leaders, don't be afraid to get to know your team. Uh, not necessarily, like, don't take them out drinking and partying and stuff like that after work. Like, I'm not saying you have to be their best friend. But know what's going on in their lives. Like, you know, what, what are they trying to accomplish, whether they're uh, accomplishing it in the, the, the building that they're in, uh, whether it's something they're trying to accomplish at home, whether it's a challenge they're facing, uh, could be a divorce, could be their dog died, I don't know, but get to know them on a more personal You don't level. know unless you ask. Exactly, you don't know unless you ask, um, but you also, like, you have to be able to get to know them on that personal level, because if you know who they are, you're going to know a little bit of why they do some of the things they do. Um, for instance, a, a vet is going to re react very differently to certain customer scenarios because he's been through combat. You know, he has a different idea of how certain things are going to work because he's lived through very different experiences than the average person. So knowing yeah. that will help you kind of push and develop him in certain ways. Um, and that's that's another challenge. But uh, understanding your team on a more personal level is going to help a lot. We're right. Bored? And I... Yeah. No. What else? I was say I love that. Um, just because of the discipline they bring to a team is just irreplaceable. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Absolutely. But anyways, I think that wraps up uh, our first podcast, our first vlog slash podcast here. If you're listening in, it's a podcast. Um, but next week. We were looking at some topics here, and we were thinking about doing, actually, we're going to be doing uh, social influence and then um, social penetration afterwards, but building that brand. 
100%. I can't wait to be here and uh, keep going with this, and hopefully we can go. And if you guys uh, who are listening have anything specific that you would like to uh, have discussed or researched, uh, we are always looking for feedback on things you guys would like to hear in the field. Uh, or if there's a specific challenge that you uh, feel others would benefit from hearing on or maybe a fresh eyes or a perspective on, please feel free to uh, leave a comment on our videos on the different places we're going to have them posted or uh, send us an Where are we going to have them posted, Teddy? Uh, we're going to have them posted a couple places. So uh, both my Instagram as well as yours, uh, which I will have popping up on the screen or they will be in the link uh, in the description. Uh, of the video, uh, hopefully it's right there. I don't know if he can do that. Uh, I just kind of. I'm not. I'm probably there. not going to put it where your finger is, just because it's got to go wherever. But we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll have it somewhere on the screen or in the description of <laughs> both the podcast and the videos. Uh, so hopefully, uh, uh, you guys come check us out. Follow us. Uh, we're going to have Twitter as well as Instagram. Uh, we're also going to have some little audio snippets and video snippets that we're going to be posting uh, throughout the rest of this week, uh, and then going into uh, following weeks, we should have some more content that you'll be seeing. Um, but I hope you guys check us out. I hope you follow us. I hope to see you next week. And like I said, just let us know what you guys want to hear, different challenges you face. If you've noticed things uh, that do deal with the topics we've been talking about today, uh, planned behavior and culture, please give us your story. We'd love to hear feedback on how you guys have used that or oh, how yeah. you're going to use that because I think that that would be awesome. I, I love hearing stories like that. One really exciting episode I, I I have on the horizon here for you guys for a sneak peek, EQ. I love EQ. All right. Uh, well, this is AK Teddy Bear a Dan signing off, and this is Corey. He's this gonna is Corey Hiraiko. All right, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks. See you later.